Okay, good evening, everybody. Good evening. Topic this evening is Faker Celebrating Authenticity. Can you name the song? I have a little trivia to start off with. This is actually in the bottom of page two for those who like to see it inside. And his song I was writing is left undone. I don't know why I waste my time writing songs I can't believe with words that tear and strain to rhyme. Right? That's Simon and Garfunkel. And basically what he's expressing there is a sense of apathy. Here I am, I'm writing music, I have all these uh, gigs, I'm performing, but I'm not really feeling it anymore. I'm not believing what I'm doing. And I think that's not only true in the music business, but that's true in, in all life, in all relationships. So much of we do, of what we do, we begin to question, do we really believe what we're doing? A am I actually conscious and aware of myself and, and why I'm doing this, what's motivating me? And this is really the quest for authenticity. We have in the Parsha, Yaakov is giving the brachos to his children, but we know they're much more than blessings. Yaakov is really looking into the Sharish Hanashama, the, the very fabric of the soul of every one of his children, and he's giving them hadracha. He's giving them direction. He's revealing to them more about themselves than they were ever aware of before. And he's giving them his charge, this is what you need to do, not going through all of the details of their lives, but giving them their kochas and nefesh, sharing with them their talents, their chesronos. Shimon and Levi, Achim, he turns to Shimon and Levi together and he says, you are brothers. They were all brothers, but there's a special bond here between Shimon and Levi. You have weapons. Hamas, Klei Hamas literally means you have weapons that don't belong to you in your possession. You have a mida of, of kas, you have this character trait of, of, of anger or violence or aggression, but it's Klei Hamas, Rashi explains, umnis zosha retzicha, referring to their behavior regarding the city of Shechem, that this character trait of murder, which parenthetically he was not saying that you committed murder. Yaakov Avinu never felt that Shimon and Levi did something terribly wrong in the choice that they made. It's clear from his tochacha, it was more their decision-making process. It was more the midos that, that were within them as they made that choice. But here, when he's lying on his deathbed, he turns to Shimon and Levi, and he says, this is Klei Hamas, meaning this Mida of Ritzicha, this, this personality trait of aggression, doesn't come from within you, but rather it's Umnes Shel Esav. This belongs to Esav. This is a non-Jewish Mida. V'atem chamastem menu. But you, you, you stole it from him. So it's clear that there's a lot more going on 
than Yaakov merely telling Shimon and Levi, I'm not happy with what you did or how you did it. But there's a focus on the clay chamas, that you have something that's not really you. And that was bothering Yaakov. Rabbi Yeruchim Levavitz, who was the mashkiach of the Mir Yeshiva, he makes this point. He writes, Besides the actual character trait that Yaakov was focusing on, he was toveya, he was complaining about the fact that it wasn't really them. Ena mikurim, this is not coming from your makor, from your source. Enam atzmim, this is not really you. Midos chakuyos atem, these are things that you're just copying from Esav. You're trying to emulate somebody that you're not. Yaakov had a taina, he had a complaint against his holy children. You're not being authentic. This is the omnis of Esav. This is not really you. Rabbi Rucham goes on to ask the question. He says, if we think about it, how many of the behaviors that we have, the way we speak, what we do, what we don't do, if we really analyze ourselves carefully, how much of that is really just the manifestation of who I am internally? And how much of who I am is really just because I'm trying to be more like you or more like him or more like her, or I'm in this particular circle, in this particular conversation, and therefore, my expression of my political views are a little bit more to the right, and when I'm speaking to you, I'm a little bit more to the left. Chikui. Chikui is the Hebrew word for, I'm just copying something, but it's not genuine, it's not sincere, it's not really me. Rabbi Yerucham writes that he was having a conversation with somebody one time, and as he was speaking with this person, he noticed that he reminded him of somebody else that he knew. It was so incredibly similar. His, his gestures, his hand movements, the way he spoke, the words that he would use. So Biruchim asked the fellow, do you happen to know Ruvain Goldstein? And the guy said back, yeah, we're actually really good friends. We've been friends for many years. I really, I really admire him greatly. Says Rabbi Yeruchim, as soon as I heard that, I was mishtomim. I was in shock. I was in awe that it's possible that someone can be fully a carbon copy of someone else without actually knowing that what they're doing and who they are isn't really them. That's a scary thought. So Yaakov Avinu on his deathbed is not only telling Shimon and Levi, I don't like the aggression, I don't like the anger that you displayed, and that makes me nervous, but perhaps more intrinsically, I'm nervous because you were doing something that wasn't you. There's a lack of authenticity. In a sense, you were kind of faking being Asaph. Most of what we do in life this is also a pretty scary thought, but Rabbi Yisrael Salanta writes in one of his letters in the Or Yisrael that the Iker HaAdam, most of what we do and how we think and the Hashkafa that we develop 
is not through a lot of thought and analysis and, and looking into all the sources and trying to develop a clarity of mind and a clarity of, of Das Torah, but rather it's Rak Kof. It's like a monkey. Lasos Maisa Cherim B'Malbushim We're just trying to be like other people. I want to fit into this circle, so I'm going to dress like you. I'm in this particular yeshiva, so I have to get this kind of hat. I'm, at, I'm, I'm in this setting in the office, and therefore I have to be speaking about sports because everyone else is doing that. Rakakof, just like a monkey, just trying to copy you. There's a young man who traveled to the yeshiva of the Kotzke Rebbe. And the Kotzke Rebbe, we've quoted many of his witty sayings in the past. He was known for his brilliance. He was known for his sense of humor. So this young man finally makes his way after traveling for weeks to the yeshiva of the Kotzker. And the Kotzker Rebbe comes over to him and says, Shalom Aleichem, welcome, it's so nice to have you. What's your name? Shmooz a little bit. Kotzker asks the kid, so why'd you come here? Uh, so he answered, to discover Hashem, right? to find God. Sounds like it was a good answer. Kotzk said back, I'm sorry to tell you, I can't help you with that. <laughs> that's very hard to do. To discover Hashem, that's a lifelong process. That's not why you're here. So the kid didn't know what to respond. He looks up at the Rebbe, and he says, so, so why am I here? Kotzk said, you're here to discover yourself. And that I could help you with. I can't do that for you. That's something only you could do but I could help give you the tools. Katsuki Rebbe used to say that if I am I because I am I and you're you because you're you, then I am I and you're you. If I am I because you're you and you're you because I am I, then I'm not really I and you're not really you. It sounds better in Yiddish, right? But the basic idea is if I'm constantly trying to be something I'm not, then I'm nothing because I'm not really me, I'm not in touch with myself, nor am I you, because I'm definitely not you. If I'm genuine, if I'm authentic, if I'm able to learn more about myself, discover who I really am, then I could be me and you could be you. The result of not having a clarity of who we are, or going years of convincing ourselves we're something that's not really uh, an understanding of, of the eternal essence of what makes me, me, it leads to a constant desire for outside validation. Because I never really feel comfortable with myself, and therefore I'm always looking for you to be machazik me. I, I need your admiration. I need your respect. I need your support, and if I don't have it, then I'm crushed. Now, we all want people to like us. We all want people to be there for us and to, to, to be in our team. We all need that camaraderie. But if I don't have that significant sense of self and I don't have you pumping me up, then I mamish have nothing. The Alei Shor Revolver writes that Zohi Midas Odom She'en Yodeya when do we find ourselves really chasing after kavod, wanting people to be mechabedas? That's when a person doesn't know, ve'eno makir, nor does he recognize his own chashivis, his own truth. 
Hamabit Shalo al Atzmo, who Kolkat Shidchi, that my view of myself is so incredibly superficial that I feel like I'm worthless, I'm nothing, without the way you're describing me, without the way I think you're viewing me. That's why, who dochef atmo, l'shevis b'mekomus mechudoim, I have to find myself, push myself into places where hopefully I'll get some level of respect. Shoef l'pirsim, we have this desire for pirsim, that people know about us, that I'm not limited to my little bubble, but, but people are talking about what we're doing. Mishtada lihisbalet b'tzibor, and it's not, I'm not going to feel satisfied just hanging out with a friend or two. But, but I, have to, I have to shine. I need people to be looking at me. I have to be standing out of the crowd. I'm not going to feel any sense of complacency. I will not feel content just being one of the many people here. I need to be the one in the spotlight. But that all comes from, says Revolba, that comes from not knowing and not recognizing who I am. Shamshin Rafal Hirsch, in the 19 letters, this is letter 18, where he has a beautiful piece, he describes what he feels to be the proper derech halimud, the way we should approach learning Torah, the methodology that he feels is the most authentic. And he says that perhaps you might avoid my guidance, because it's not the in thing to do. People might look at you in a funny way. So, he cautions, this path you should pursue, unconcerned as to the opinion which the one or the other school of misled ones may hold in reference to your methods of study, Unconcerned that your simplicity of interpretation will not permit you to shine among the heroes of hair-splitting, life-ignoring disputations. That's a powerful line. Hair-splitting, life-ignoring disputations. We don't have time to really get into right now what kind of learning was he referring to for a different conversation. Unconcerned if you are no longer qualified for pretentious appearance. All this should concern you little, for you are learning what is better, to know the light, the truth, the warmth, and the sublime life of Torah. Don't be concerned that you may not shine, just be concerned that you're living a truthful existence. I know who I am, I recognize my kochos and my chesronos, I know what I need to work on, and I'm trying hard to be authentic and genuine in my avodas Hashem. If I could do that, whether or not you know about me, whether or not I'm, I'm shining forth from the crowd, that doesn't make a difference because I don't need the crowd. I have that sense of satisfaction from within. What bracha do we make where we actually thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu every day for allowing us to be who we are, for allowing us not to need the, the praise of others, not to have to copy what other people are doing, not to need to fit in exactly with, with what they're doing, what they're saying, their hashkafas achayim. I'm allowed to be a little bit different. Baruch ato Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Shelo Asani Isha. No, I'm just joking. 
Shalowas on the Ovid, not making me an Evid. Thank you, Hashem, for not making me a slave. Obviously, the simple understanding of that is, Baruch Hashem, we're not Avadim. Being an Evid Kanani is a, is a very difficult life. But explains Revolba, there's something much deeper. When we say, Baruch Hashem, Melacholam, Ovid, we're saying, Thank you, Hashem, for allowing me to be free. Freedom in the truest sense means I'm allowed to be myself. Obviously, I want to learn from those who know more than I do. Obviously, I want to connect myself to my Mesorah and be part of the legacy of Torah and Hashkafa and Das Torah. And there's so much I need to learn from other people. I don't know all the answers. I don't know any of the answers necessarily. But I'm allowed to be me. Shalom Asani Evid. Reb Dessler, when he was a young man, he was a Rav. Now, being a Rav in the olden days, in contrast to nowadays, perhaps, being a Rav was viewed as a very bidi evid position. If you had a young man who was really steiging and learning, and he had great potential, so then the, the ideal would be support him, allow him to stay in yeshiva, to stay in kolel, to keep on amassing more depth and breadth of Torah, to become the biggest gadol he could possibly be. If, however, Parnassa was difficult and there was no other way to support the family, then you have to get a job. And sometimes getting a job would mean you're a carpenter, you're a shoemaker, you're a malamed, you're a teacher, or you could be a rav. Right? But you have to have a Parnassa. It's interesting, in the diary of the Adaris, the Adaris was the father-in-law of Rav Kook. He writes that he wanted more than anything for his son-in-law, who he held the the world of. Rav Kook was a brilliant, shining star in Volozhin. The Adaris writes, I wanted more than anything to allow my son-in-law to keep on learning. But, unfortunately, I was not able to continue to support him, and therefore he had to become a rabbi, right? Not a job for a nice Jewish boy. But he actually writes in his diary, he said, when they came to my house, my son-in-law and my daughter, and they informed me of their decision, knowing full well that I would be disappointed, I smiled and I gave them a bracha, belayv shalem, But he says, inside I was crying bitter tears because if only he could have learned a few more years of Torah. So Rav Dessler, when he was younger and he was a Rav, he had a very difficult time as well, it sounds like. He writes letters back and forth to his father and some of these letters are incredible to read. We should, Mitz Hashem, spend some time one of these days and go through some of their correspondence. But he really bemoans a lot of what was happening in his kahila, in his shul. He felt that the whole business of Rabbanos, being in the rabbinate, was, it made life extremely difficult to be sincere, to do things totally l'shem shemayim. And there was a lot of, he writes in Hebrew, business. A lot of Judaism becomes a business. And we still see it in our own times, you know, the shul and the finances and budget. And there's so much on our mind that's far from Torah and tefillah. So much hacking. And what we need to do for the shul, we need to do for the yeshiva, fundraisers. 
and PR, and we have to get a picture of this so everyone knows all the amazing things that we're doing. So he writes to his father, he said, even my drushas that I'm saying on Shabbos, I don't really feel comfortable with them. I'm speaking to the crowd, but like I'm not really sharing my amkus of Torah. I'm not, I'm not able to delve in to, to my real insights. You know, they wouldn't be able to appreciate them. Living a life where we can't be authentic, authentic is extremely difficult. What this does, though, understanding the need for really discovering who we are, is it redefines the avoda of emes. Right? We speak about the mida of emes. What does it mean to be truthful? So when we speak to kids about the mida, it's about never telling a lie, and sheker is a bad thing. Sometimes you're allowed to not hurt somebody's feelings, l'man ha-shalom. But there's so much more to the mida of emes than the way we speak. But it's really about the way we live. The Taurus of Ram, who is the the father-in-law of Rav Shlomo Volba, he writes, this is source number 10, he says, Emes v'sheker eino nerech lefi mahos ha-maisim. Don't think when we talk about emes and sheker, it's based on the action. Rather, it's based on the person doing the action. It's not about what I'm saying, but it's more about who I am. It's possible that I could be doing wonderful things and I can be involved with chesed and learning and tzedakah and I'm always very truthful and you ask me what time it is, I won't even round off. I'll say it's, it's 8.29. Very, very truthful. But ve'evsher, it's possible that my mahus, my essence is sheker. Because if what I'm doing and how I'm living is not really a revelation of who I am, I'm just pretending to be somebody else, obviously I get tremendous reward for all of my mitzvot. Hashem never withholds schar. But it's not really emes. It's not truth. I'm not living emes. I'm living somebody else's life. One of my favorite stories, and I apologize for those who've probably heard it from me before, is with Shlomo Zalman Arabach when he was a young man. There was a Moti Shabbos minion by the Kosel of Zechariah Braverman, one of the tzaddikim of Yerushalayim. He was the head of this minion, and people from all over who were really interested in, in Aliyah and, and, and the Vekos, they would come to this minion, and it would take easily an hour. Right? So most of us, Moti Shabbos comes, even before Mariv is over, we're folding up the tablecloths, we're running to get our keys, you know, we have a lot to do. Many people are waiting on us to get home and, and check the news, right? We have important things to do. But this minion, they took an hour, Moti Shabbos, mitoch yira, mitoch ava, mitoch menuchas nefesh to daven. And Shlomo Zalman, as a young man, he really enjoyed that sviva. He was, he was uh, attached to that whole, that whole environment. One day, though, one Motzi Shabbos, he just never came back. He never explained why he stopped going to the Minyan, but he never went back. Only years later, he was having a conversation with somebody in his family, and they posed the question, whatever happened to the Motzi Shabbos Minyan? 
you used to go to, you would really enjoy it. Why'd you stop going? So Shlomo Zalman said, I'll tell you the truth. It was a beautiful minion, a very chashavitzibur, very holy people. And pretty much every Moti Shabbos, Rav Zechariah Braverman would daven, and it was a tremendous chizik for all of us. There was one Moti Shabbos where he wasn't there, and somebody else davened in his place. And I noticed that as the, the person leading the davening, the Shleach Tzibur, when he got to the words, Ubahem nege yomam velayla, he did the exact same hand motions as Reb Braverman. Mamish the exact same thing. And at that point, said Rabbi Shlomo Zalman, I knew this was not the place for me. What was it that made him feel uncomfortable? That's chikui. That means you're copying. I'm not going to thrive in that kind of atmosphere. So we're not as sensitive, perhaps, as Shlomo Zalman. But that's a lack of truth. That's a very, very high madrega. But what we're striving for in our avodas ha'emis and trying to be more truthful, it's not about what we say, although that's important, or what we do, but it's who we are and it's how we live. And it's my level of hakara, my recognition, my appreciation of who I am, and serving Hashem mitoch from that recognition. The question is, practically speaking, how do we know when we're real? And how do we know when... I'm kind of putting on a show. Are there any simonim? Are there any indications that could help us climb into our own heads? Sometimes we make a decision to do something. It seems pretty smooth and it's easy. And sometimes we make a decision to do something and we find there are a lot of roadblocks. And I'm really pushing myself to be able to go through with what I think the right thing is. I'm just curious, what would you assume is more of a, of a simon minishamayim, that your choice is correct when things are going smoothly or when things are difficult? You could probably guess the answer, right? <laughs> when, when, you know what, there's a lot of friction here, there's a lot of pushback, Sometimes people will say, maybe that's a sign from Hashem that this is not the right thing. Usually, the exact opposite is true. Obviously, we have to make reasonable decisions. We have to be shoalaitza, we have to ask advice, we have to try to make the best possible decision we can. But after doing so, if we're getting pushback, that's probably a good sign. That's indicative that what I'm doing is emis. What's the proof to this? So in Megillus Rus, where Naomi is trying to convince Rus to go back home, right? Coming back with me to Eretz Yisrael, I have nothing to give you. Go back home. You could live a life of comfort. You could find a husband. But Naomi saw, literally it means that Rus was was fighting to go with her, at that point, Naomi stopped trying to dissuade her. So up until that point, like the Gemara tells us, she was trying to convince her not to come, don't convert to Judaism, it's a hard life. But once she saw that Rus was fighting, 
Then she accepted her. The simple understanding of this is that she saw that Rus was sincere. She was really fighting to be together with her mother-in-law. But says the Grod, there's something much deeper. Vatera Kimitsametsis, when Naomi saw that Rus was fighting, it doesn't mean that she was fighting to be part of Klal Yisrael. It means she was fighting within herself. She noticed there was an inner turmoil, there was a pushback. She was able to understand what was going on in the head of Rus. That on one hand, I want to go with you, I love you, I cherish a relationship. I believe in a Kaddish Baruch I want to join Klal Yisrael, I want to be part of the destiny of Am Yisrael. But, but at the same time, there was such a pushback. When Naomi saw that she had that internal conflict, then she understood, this is the Ratzon Hashem. So sometimes, the more of a pushback we have to do what we think is the right thing, assuming we arrive at that decision, based on a reasonable decision-making process, that's a pretty good indication that we're doing it, it's authentic, it's real. This is the Ratzon Hashem. When I'm doing something that's not really me, then it could just be smooth. Because it doesn't require my same machshava. It doesn't require tapping into my identity. Why am I doing it? Because everyone else does it. Why am I doing it? Because I want to look like that. I have I always noticed when I was growing up in L.A. and I was in high school, some of the, the kids I was friendly with, they would leave after 12th grade or some after 11th grade, and then sometimes they would come back after only a few months away in a yeshiva in New York, and they automatically had a New York accent. Right? How did that happen? How do you start speaking like a New Yorker and acting like, like, like you were born and bred in Brooklyn? Right? You were born and raised in Los Angeles, California. That means you're losing yourself. That means you're squelching your personality. Now we do that because, like Rabbi Yisrael said, we're like a kof, naturally speaking. I just want to blend in. But blending in is not a sign of achievement. It's a sign of weakness. I don't need to be just like you to be able to connect with Torah. I could connect with Torah and not have a New York accent. And that's okay also. Sometimes when it's super easy, then we have to really ask ourselves, is this me or am I just putting on a show and that's why there's no resistance? That's why there's no friction. But I think asking ourselves the question, why am I doing something, which sounds so simple, Right? If we were taking a workshop, paying a lot of money for a three-day course on how to become in tune with our subconscious mind, and the advice was, ask questions. You would probably want your money back. That's not very Kabbalistic, that's not very deep, but it's very true. So much of what we do in life, we're just doing it, and we're not in tune with the motivations. I don't know what's really pushing me. I don't know what my drive is here. But when I stop and I consciously ask myself, why am I doing this? Why am I making this decision? Why am I being pulled in this direction? Just asking the question opens up a whole dimension of subconscious thought that I was not aware of previously. Yaakov Avinu did this. 
Last week's Parsha, when he hears that Yosef is alive, and like we spoke about last week, alive not just biologically speaking, but he heard that his son was thriving in spirituality, and that's why he wanted to see him. He wanted to see him not just to be reunited, but to keep on inspiring him. That's why he said Kriyashma. He stops on the way, though, V'yisa Yisrael v'chol lo, that Yisrael and his entire entourage, the entire B'nai Yisrael, started to travel down to Mitzrayim. V'yovu be'er sheva, they came to Be'er Sheva, v'yizbach zvochim l'elokei oviv Yitzchak. And he stopped, and he was makri v'karben, he brought an offering to the God of his father Yitzchak. The Medrash Rabbah says, that the reason he stopped here was not just to bring an offering, but it was actually to go through a process of meditation, of introspection. He asked himself the question, Yankala, why are you doing this? You're uprooting the entire family. This is a big move. Likely this is the beginning of Shibud Mitzrayim. Are you sure this is the right move? Are you going acher grono, which literally means, are you going after your throat, after your stomach, because you're hungry, and you feel that life's going to be better, it's going to be more comfortable, you're going to have more produce in Mitzrayim, and you're excited to see Yosef, but it might not be the Ratzon Hashem. He stopped, and he brought a carbon, and he asked himself the question, am I going for the right reasons? And he found the answer within, and the answer was, Yes, I am. And that's why he continued the journey. But so much of trying to discover why I'm doing something and where am I in the process, number one is, if there's some level of friction, that could be a good sign. And number two is, by stopping and asking myself the questions, we find out things we never knew. Revolba I want to end with this. He has a beautiful piece in the Ali Shore. This is in the first volume of the Ali Shore, where he speaks about the general concept of da es atzmecha, of knowing yourself. He says, Mi atzmo, If we don't know ourselves, if we never discover what's really pushing me, if I don't allow myself to be genuine and authentic in my avodas Hashem and in my, my conversations with others, then I'm never going to have inner peace. Inner peace, tranquility, serenity, is only when I know who I am and I'm okay with who I am. It doesn't mean I'm complacent. I know my milas, I know my chesronos, I know what I need to work on. But it's that knowledge of who I am that gives me a sense of calm. I could proceed on. Only once I know myself and I'm, I'm in tune with my motivations, I know what's really pushing me, then I have a chance of actually achieving tikkun. I could rectify my midos. I could break through limitations. Because if you're not trying to discover more about who you are in order to elevate yourself, then what's the goal of discovering who you are? I had a conversation with somebody where they were explaining the idea of past 
life regression therapy. And, you know, this particular person had the ability to bring people back into many past lives, and that could somehow give them a clearer understanding of the trauma they were going through in this life. So, definitely sounds like it's out there. I'm not sure I would spend much money on this therapy. But my main question was, even if theoretically, right, I grant you that maybe this guy has some ability to bring you back into your psychological state in past lives, which I highly doubt he can, but even if he could, so what? <laughs> what does that do for you right now? I now realize that four lives ago, I was a horse trainer, and I lived in Scotland, and I had a lot more hair than I do now. <laughs> okay, that's wonderful. Asherecha. <laughs> what does that do for you? Is that going to help be misakain, who I am, basher husham? So Revolve is saying, this is not about psychology. It's not about discovering ourselves just to feel that we know ourselves better. It's with the clear intent of, I want to come closer to Hashem, and I know the only way I could do that is through being me. That's the goal of Yediyah. No, knowledge is for Tikkun. Can you teach somebody to know themselves? Is this a course you could take? So Revolba says, unfortunately, the answer is no. You could give somebody tools, like we're speaking about this evening, right? asking questions. Friction can be a good sign. But ultimately, who knows me better than anybody else in the world? Even better than all of the Gedoli Yisrael. And even like we mentioned before, right? There was a Kabbalistic trick of reading someone's neshama through looking at their face. But you know who knows me better than anybody else in the world? It's me. I know myself better than even the greatest gadol. So we always ask advice and hadracha. We want the tools of Das Torah to be able to unlock the, the, the Enochi, the real me. But, but I can't rely on anybody else. This is the ultimate fulfillment of the Mishnah. Im ena ni li, mi li. If I don't do this for myself, if I don't really discover who I am and how I need to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, nobody else can do that for me. He quotes the, the Vilna Gon, the Vilna Gon in his commentary to Mishle. He says, Kol Adam Every person needs to go on the path that is unique to them. That's needed for them. No people are identical. No people will engage in Avodah Hashem in the exact same way, with the exact same accent. You don't have to do that. Ulechein concludes the gra. Holech b'yashro. You need to go in your yashros. Follow what's true. Be authentic. But derech hayosher shelo, meaning in your yashros, in your truth. Afal pi, these words are so incredibly powerful. 
אף על פי שבעיני הבריאוס הוא רע, כי אינם יודעים זה שהוא צורך, even though people might look at me, and they're going to think what I'm doing is bad, because they don't know this is what I need, and therefore I'm going to be compelled not to do what's yashros, not to do what's true for me, because I don't want people looking at me in that way. Nonetheless, afal pikein hu holech v'yashro. Says the Gra, you need to follow your truth. If you could do that, if you could have the courage to do that, then you have Yiras Hashem. Revolba, elaborating on these words of the Gra, he says, How far away are we when so much of what we're doing is It's only to get the haskama and Baruch Hashem, we do have tehillah here this evening. right? We want to get the praise from others. And therefore, I'll do anything. Lachakos, to copy somebody else. But to really have the, the strength of character, to live according to the guidelines of the gra, of following your yashros, being true to who you are, not being stubborn, right? This is such a fine balance. We're always open-minded. We're always looking for hadracha. But, but not compromising on who I am, even if somebody might look at me and think I'm inferior, that's okay. Like Rav Shamshan Rafael Hirsch said, don't be concerned with the fact that you may not shine in this particular group. Only be concerned by the fact that you're doing the Ratzon Habore. The Chazanish, when he was in Yeshiva, I saw this in one of the tshuvas of the Shevet Halevi in Rav Vosner, he says, when the Chazanish was in Yeshiva, he learned a little bit differently than some of the other Talmidim. And he would spend a lot of his time on the tour of Beis Yosef. And some of the, the boys would chepper, some of the kids would make fun of him. You know, you're spending so much time on Beis Yosef, and you're not getting as into the lumdus as we are. Lamai said the Chazanish was the Chazanish. And those same boys who were making fun of him stood in awe of him decades later, trembling by the presence of his greatness. It's okay to be a little bit different. You have to follow your yashros. I want to skip here to the, uh, the very end of this piece of revolba. Every word here is so beautiful. Maybe for a different time we'll go through the, uh, the piece in its entirety. But he gives the following marshal. He says, let's say... You're standing behind the door and there are two people having a conversation. They don't know you're right there. You have a person who really feels close with you. He's a good friend. And you have the other guy who doesn't like you. He never did and he never will. And basically the whole conversation is about you. Your friend is trying to defend you. He's trying to stand up for you. He's trying to justify some of your actions. And the other guy is just laying out all of your chesronos, all of your flaws, all of your midos ros, all of your deficiencies. Obviously, hearing the guy speak negatively about you would not be a very fun experience, but writes Revolva, if you're that person standing behind the door, are you going to be surprised, assuming what he's saying is somewhat true, 
right? Assuming there's some truth, maybe he's exaggerating, but assuming he's, he's picking up on real chesronos, that yeah, I do have this issue. And yes, I do get angry sometimes, and, and I fly off the handle. And yes, I, I, I do speak Lashon Horus sometimes, and I, and I come late to Shacharis. There are many things I'm aware of. If everything that he's pointing out, I'm already totally cognizant of, that means I know myself pretty well. I may not like that guy at all, and that's okay, but I know myself. If much of what he's revealing, assuming it's true, come as a total surprise to me, it's a shock to my system. What? He thinks I don't daven with kavana? Well, I, I guess I don't really daven with kavana, but if it's a surprise, that means I was totally unaware of who I, who I am up until now. So that is the litmus test. If there's someone there speaking about all of your flaws, would it be a surprise? Would it be a shock to the system? Or would it just be unpleasant? But I'm already well aware of those chesronos, and yes, I am working towards being masaking them one step at a time. And that's knowing oneself. Revolba concludes that Yediya Atzma, the knowledge itself, discovering who you are, what makes you tick, your motivations, that knowledge itself, even though the goal is not just for the psychological benefits of, of having a deeper awareness of who we are, the goal is to be mesakein, to enhance our avodas Hashem, and to come closer to Hashem, mitoch the panemius from my internal essence. But just the knowledge itself brings a sense of manuchas and nefesh. I know where I am. I'm not living in this illusion. I'm not fooling myself. I'm not trying to fool anybody else. There is such a feeling of relief. I just heard this morning that Rav Avram Kenerik passed away last night. Zeicher Tzadik V'Kodesh Levracha. And some of you in the room know him very well. Some of you have heard of him before. He was one of the most authentic people I've ever met in my life. When I was in Eretz Yisrael in 1999 and 2000, I was in Hashir for part of that year. I became very close with him. And he was a tremendous Godel Batoro. He had the schus to learn on the Rebaruch Bear. He was in the mirror in Shanghai. But just the way he lived together with his Rebetzin, Bepashtus with simplicity. There wasn't a bone of, of covet in his whole being. He did his thing and he was living in this, this realm of Simcha Sachayim because he was so comfortable with himself. He didn't have the pangs of jealousy or the thrust of competition. This life, this Menuchas Hanefesh, this vision of, 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 of living mitoch panimius, living from within who you really are, it's a different existence. It's a different simcha. Yaakov was criticizing his children, Shimon and Levi. He's saying, Clay Hamas, you have things that don't belong to you. Get rid of all those things that don't belong to you. Try to find yourself. Try to find yourself. There are many things we want to contribute to the world. We'd love to influence people. We love to uplift, if not the masses, at least those close to us. The only thing, though, that I really have 
that I can share that's unique is me. Because any quality, any talent that I have, you could find millions of people who have this talent and they do it much better than I do. So when we think about our contribution to the family, to the community, to the world, what's my contribution? It's not my chachma, it's not my, my breadth of, of Torah knowledge, it's not my, my profession. Everyone in every profession knows a lot more than we do. But the one thing that I can give the world that no one else can is me. But I could only do that if I'm actually being me. We should be zocha to get rid of the klechamas, to live authentically and therefore connect with Hashem in the realest way possible. A good Shabbos.